Amen. You know, we believe that the method ordained of God to sustain his ministry and the spread of the gospel after his command is tithing. And it's generally accepted throughout all the four square churches. It's not only as God's method to take care of the material and the financial needs of his church, but to raise the spiritual morale of his people to the extent that God must bless them. We are commanded in Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. In the matter of giving and free will offerings, they are ordered to the Lord and practiced in all the four square churches as part of God's plan for the church's material needs and the spirituality of his people. We are admonished in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Running over, come on, will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You see, being joint heirs with him, we know that giving unto his kingdom, which is also ours, is an enjoyable thing. It is being more blessed to give than to receive. For we are commanded in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for he loveth a cheerful giver. I'll say it again. For he loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. I'm going to try to make this as quick as I can. Uh, two things. We have a guest speaker today, and I, I want to introduce him to you. Uh, two things about this guest speaker. First one is this. Uh, when I came to his church as a 24-year-old, um, and he had me work for him, in our first meeting ever, I told him that I was a gambling addict, and uh, I couldn't stop gambling. And he still brought me on, and he said, just tell me when you gamble. Um, I remember six months later, I came in, I said, I just want you to know I made a mistake and I gambled last night. He said, well, how far did you go? And I said, I went six months. He goes, well, this time go another six months or go a year. And that was 10 years ago, uh, which is a miracle and a celebration that I've been 10 years free uh, from gambling, uh, which is, talk about miracles, praise the Lord. Number two, I remember I was on staff and as staff, um, uh, tithing is probably an important thing to do. I remember getting my year end tithing statement, and I was just like, man, this has to be wrong. Like, I, I give more than that because it was pretty low. I'm like, this is just wrong. I don't know if you've ever done that before. But like, are you serious? That's it? And so I went to our bookkeeper, and I told her, I said, there's a mistake. Like, you're wrong. Like, I give more than this. And they're like, no, this isn't a mistake. This is how much you give. I was completely embarrassed and humiliated by it because here I am actually getting a salary from the church, and I'm not even giving 10%. Mike and I talked about it. Uh, we set me up with a... Uh, Man, a pastor from a church called Life Center, and he met with me once a week for an entire year going through Dave Ramsey, if you know, Financial Peace University and envelope systems and all of that. Um, in that year, my wife and I, we, we dropped, I think it was $15,000 worth of debt um, in that year, and, and we uh, got up to the 10% and beyond uh, side of tithing. And so uh, this man has done so much for me. I shared other things first service, but um, he's the pastor of Life Center North in Spokane, where Pastor Adam and I uh, served um, and learned so much. So if you would please welcome him and his wife, Mike and Tisa Mead. Thank you. I love this guy. I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah. 
What a wonderful church you guys have, and a blessing for me to be able to be here and, and uh, share this morning. Thank you so much for having me. You know, uh, Dan and Mary uh, had uh, been in our church before they came here, and uh, we knew them before uh, they were married. We knew them when they were both singles, and the thing that I remember about Dan, he was, he was the pastor of our worship ministry. As you know, he's an amazing worshiper. Uh, and so we saw that Mary was on the team, Dan was on the team, and we noticed that he liked her. And that was obvious, and she's easy to like, you know. But I thought maybe there was something more to it. And so Tisa and I were like, we better keep our eyes on Dan, you know, make sure he's doing right, being good. And everything. And one day, it was a day off, my wife and I were at the movies. And so we're there, we're getting our Coke and our popcorn, and we go in. It's one of these like chicky flicks, like notebook or something. And so we go in, and there's Dan. He's up like in towards the front, and no one is in the theater. It's just Dan and Mary. And we're like, whoa, notebook, huh? (laughs) So we go up and we just kind of plop down right behind him. We chaperoned them on their first date. It was so cool. And it was awkward for Dan the whole time. And I love that because, you know, he likes to make other people awkward sometimes. I don't even think he tries. He just does. But it was just fun. It was fun to be the guy on the other end of the stick and just be there, you know. Well, they got married and, you know, uh, they fell in love and got married. And, of course, he was on our staff and... Mary and Dan and Tisa and I and some others, we used to have the best time planning services, praying together, creating, watching God change lives. And some of our very best years in the ministry have been serving with Dan and serving with Mary. So you guys are so blessed to have him. Could could you just say along with me how much I appreciate this guy? We love you, Dan. Well, today I'm going to try and keep us moving forward in the series that you're in. Dan allowed me to speak on anything out of these topics here, and that's the one I picked, which is tithing and offering, and uh, just thought, hey, you know, that has helped change my life. That has helped shape some of the trajectory of my spiritual growth, and I wanted uh, the ability to share on that this morning. And uh, it might be a little awkward, you know, kind of like the pastor sitting behind a, a couple on their first date talking about money. But hey, you know, sometimes the Bible gets into our business, right? Gets into our stuff, gets into our life, gets into our values, and gets into our heart. And that's what talking about money does is because we don't like to talk about it. We think, you know, God, you have, you have fair access into my life if you're talking about spiritual things. God's spirit, okay? He can talk about spiritual stuff. God, you have access into my life if you want to talk about my morals. God cares about morals, right? So it's like, okay, you can talk about that. But money, really? And yet, the scripture has so much to say about money. Jesus talked about it. He talked about it more than we realize. He talked about money more than any other topic outside of the kingdom of God. Out of 30 parables, there were 19 of them that were written in an economic context. You know, there's the parable of of the rich uh, young ruler. There's the parable of the talents. Uh, There's many different parables, the lost coin, that that bring that into, into the world of the people of that day in the same way he talks to us in our life because he cares about us. 
Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he just knew that our heart gets wrapped up into money. It gets wrapped up into financial things. I mean, I don't even have to ask for a show of hands. How many of you think about money at least once a week? Everybody does. I mean, most of us think about money multiple times a day. We think about it. We stress over it. We wonder how we can get more of it. We're afraid that we don't have enough of it. And, and so it dominates a lot of our thinking, a lot of our heart, a lot of our worries, a lot of our planning for the future or your retirement or whatever it might be. We just, we're kind of obsessed with it. And Jesus knows that. And so he talked a lot about it because he just knew how to talk in ways that would really change our life because that's what he's about. He's changing lives. He's changing hearts. He's changing perspectives. And I pray that he'll change our perspective this morning as we look at this. So the question on the table is this. Will we embrace God's word as part of our life The very center part is what Jesus wants to do in me, or will I just conform in the area of money to this world? Whatever culture does, then I'll just do that. And I want to challenge us as Christ followers that we take our money in the same way we've taken other aspects of our life and just submit it to the Word of God and submit it at at the foot of Jesus and just say, Lord, I just want to follow you. I just want to be your disciple. I want to do what you say and go where you say. In Psalm 24, verse 1, let me just start with this. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. In other words, everything that is belongs to God. There was a traveler who was in the airport uh, connecting between two flights, and she bought a little pack of cookies, and she went into the lounge to kind of wait for her next flight. Well, as she's reading her newspaper... Uh, Something that she noticed is a crumpling back behind her newspaper. So she pulls the newspaper, looks around, and she notices this guy, smartly dressed, eating out of her bag of cookies. She's like freaking out. Just going, what do I do? What do I do? Do I say something to him? So just to make the point, she reaches over and grabs one of her cookies and eats it in front of him. And she starts reading the paper again, and then she hears some crumpling again going on in her cookie bag. And she looks back around her paper again, and there the guy is. He's helping himself to another one of her cookies. And he eats it in front of her. So she grabs another one and eats it. Well, this goes on until they're down to the very last cookie. And the guy ends up breaking it in half and passing half of it over to her. She can't believe it. He gets up and he walks off. She is fuming mad. Well, she gets her stuff together. She goes over to her gate to open up her purse to get her ticket out. And in her purse, she notices her bag of cookies. Not only was he not eating her cookies, she realized she was eating his cookies. I mean, can you imagine? Don't we do that with God? That God gives us something. We don't even realize it's his. We think it's ours. We take our paycheck. We spend it all. And then we, 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 we look over and God's saying he wants some of it. And we're like, what are you talking about? He owns it all. And he was gracious enough to share it with us, whether we knew it or not. See, the ownership issue, who owns my bank account? Who owns my money? I mean, isn't that one of... 
those of you who have little kids, what's one of the first words your, your little one learns? Mine. Mine, right? My binky, my toy. And we just change it, don't we, as we get older? My car, my bank account, my CD, my IRA. It's mine. Because something in our human nature clings on to stuff and wants to be the owner whether we are or not. See, the ownership issue is at the heart of our stress. We get stressed when we think we own it, and then God wants some of it. So just to kind of make that point, I brought some money today. Let's see. Here we go. And I wanted to give some of it away. Uh, I have a $20 bill. Can I give this away? Yeah. Boy, you are quick with your hand there. And you're, you're Lane, right? All right, Lane, here you go. Lane, what I want to do is ask if you would find someone, just let the Lord lead you, and just give that to someone that you think needs financial help in some shape or form, okay? Would you do that? Now, was that hard? Okay, why? Because it's my money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have $15 I want to give to someone else. Can I? Any takers? Yeah, thank you. And what is your name? Rochelle. Thank you, Rochelle. Would you take that and just find a kid that might need a gift, maybe for Christmas or maybe someone needs a turkey for Thanksgiving, and just, just give that to them as the Lord, as the Lord leads you, not as, not as the side of the room is come. That's right. And then I just have a $5 left. And uh, can I give this to you? What's your name? Joe, hey, would you just take someone out for like coffee or something? I think that might buy a coffee. And uh, someone who needs to know Jesus and just share your story with them of how, how God has blessed your life. Amen. Was that hard? Yeah. No. Why? Because it's my money. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty easy to give someone else's money away, isn't it? To invest someone else's money. It's just hard to invest your own. So who owns your money? That's the question. Is it your money or is it God's? So if it's God's money and he asks for some of it, then you just, that's his, you know? And then if he's directing us to give in a certain way, then we give, but we're giving his money, not necessarily our own. It's a huge perspective shift in how we look at what's called stewardship. Stewardship is, is not me managing my money, it's me managing someone else's money, God's money. So when you look at your car, your apartment, your house, your bank account, your clothes, do you look at that as your stuff or does that belong to God and he's just entrusted it to you to use it in certain ways that would bring pleasure to him? See, if, if each one of those who I gave money to just does what I ask, I'll be really happy. And, and, that's, that, and that's my money giving to you. It's not, no skin off of your teeth, right? You're able to just invest it and do what I asked. Not do what you want, but do what I asked. And it'll all be good. Did you know that most people in our country do give? Most people in our country give. Matter of fact, the polls and the, the research shows 88% of Americans give money. They get, give to causes and charity. And by the percent of two, 2%. So the average American... Christian or not Christian, gives 2%. I think it's amazing that we live in a country that does give and has that value in our culture. Now, you would think that when this average American 
has this encounter with God where they receive Christ. They receive the forgiveness and the grace of God into their life, that that would change their heart, right? I mean, that, that would be normal to think that, that it would impact every area of their life, including their giving. So what does the average American Christian give? Yeah, it's 25 to 3%, but we're going to be generous and say 3%. So the average American Christian gives a whole percent more than someone who's lost and doesn't know Christ and is just giving out of the goodness of their heart. Should the Holy Spirit in our life, the blood of Jesus covering our sin, the call to discipleship, to take up our cross and follow him, impact our giving? Should it impact the way we steward the resources God's given us? I think it should. And, and I don't, what about you? Do you think it should impact our giving beyond 1% more than the average person? In our culture, God's calling us to be countercultural Christians, to go the other direction, to not just swim with the direction everybody else in our culture is swimming, but to do something radically different, to be radical, extravagant, generous, hilarious givers. And let me tell you, when you are, you, you will be suspect. Like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? People will think you're weird. Because there's something powerful that gets in the face of our culture when we allow God to get a hold of our heart in this area of generosity. In Deuteronomy, God says this to the people of Israel. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Wealth. Remember the Lord your God, for he is one. Who gave you the ability to have a job? To have the energy to go to that job? To have the creativity to do well at that job? To have the energy level to keep going at that job when you want to quit? I mean, who gave you it all? God did. And he's just kind of ringing our bell here saying, you know what? Yes, you work hard. Yes, you earned money, but who do you think gave you the opportunity? Who do you think gives you the health to sustain the opportunity? It's God. See, it all comes from God. It all belongs to God. It's all returned to God. So God cares about our lives. He cares about our heart, and he cares about our values. And I believe that God is calling us to live differently than the world around us. So let me just spend a little bit of time unpacking this idea of tithing. What are tithes versus offerings? Tithes and offerings. We tend to mix them up and kind of clump them together. Maybe you've heard of people before referring to a tithe, but they're really thinking of an offering. So, for example, if you've ever heard someone say, hey, I tithe here and there, and I tithe this, you know, 10 bucks here and 5 bucks here, and I gave a dollar to the you know, to, to the lady at the grocery store who asked for an extra buck, you know, when I was cashing out and they're always asking for another dollar. And, you know, I, so I'm just spreading my tithe out. Well, that, that's not actually tithes. That's offerings. You're giving as you feel your heart led to give. Tithe is something very specific. Number one, it's a, it's a direct proportion to your income. And then number two is that it belongs to God. It's not for you to direct. It's to be given back to God. So uh, the word, the Hebrew word uh, for tithe is ma'aser, and the word literally means a tenth, 
That's what it is, a tenth, just boom, a proportion. So if you make $100, God's saying 10% comes back to him right off the top. Or $1,000, $100 goes right back to him right off the top. So it's, a, it's an actual percentage. It's not just a general giving, it's an amount. And, and the New Testament calls that proportional giving. I first heard about the tithe. Hopefully you'll like this story. I heard about the tithe when I was traveling cross-country with a buddy who was a backslidden Christian. We're smoking a joint together. And I don't do that anymore, just for those of you who might wonder. <laughs> Even though it's legal in Washington, I don't. And, 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 and he was a backslidden Christian. I was just brand new in my faith, probably two months old in my faith. And he heard I'd become a Christian, and I was telling him about Jesus, even though I was, you know, still had a lot of areas of my life that needed changing. And, and he said, have you heard about the tithe? And he just wanted to just kind of jack with me and ring my bell and test me. And he was like the devil almost, you know, trying to derail my faith. And he's like, yeah, you know, I know you like money, Mike. I know you like making it. I know you, you think about it a lot. And he's like, do you know you're going to have to give some of that away? I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know. I'd never been to church. I'd never opened the Bible. I didn't know any of this. And I'm like, serious? He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot, too. A whole lot. Like 10%. I'm like, what? No way. And he's like, yeah. He's like, are you going to do that? You say you're a Christian. Are you going to do it or not? And I'm, you know, I'm just competitive enough and stupid enough. I'm just like, absolutely, I'm doing it. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care. And I'm like, show me that in the Bible. And so he opened up some passages and he showed me. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm doing it. And this is, keep in mind, two months old in the Lord. We're smoking a joint in the car. Never been to church before. Making this kind of faith commitment. And I've never gone back on it. Ever. Since that day. Isn't it weird how God uses crazy, bizarre stuff like that? And the thing is, is that I've noticed from that moment, selling books door-to-door in a hot summer in Texas with my buddy, from that moment of just dedicating right off the top a certain percent of my income to God, God has blessed my life in so many different ways. It's like, why would I not do that? You can't outgive God. I want to challenge you this morning as well, that if you've never done that before, rethink it. Because as you, as you commit to this principle of tithing, it, will have, it has the possibility of changing your life, the spiritual uh, fervor of your life, and your faith to be able to see God at work doing things in your life. We tend to think that the reason people talk about tithing is because God's short on cash. He's not. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. Or we think the church must be hurting. And the church isn't hurting. See, the church doesn't need your money. God does not need your money. But God desires your heart. And he knows that your pocketbook's attached to your heart. And so he's looking for more of us. That we surrender our lives to him. Now, let me give you a couple thoughts from the scripture. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It says this, a tithe of everything from the land. Now, what's a tithe? 10%. And they derive their income from the land. 
They used to have flocks, now we have stocks, right? So they used, to, they used to derive their income off of the land, and he's saying a tithe of everything from the land, whether the grain or the soil or the fruit from the tree, belongs to who? To God. It's his. It already belongs to him. He's the owner of it. It's holy to God. So if, when we get a paycheck, if we realize that the first 10% is already God's, then we don't stress over it. And it's not this big deal. It's like when I handed out that money. You're not stressing because it was my money. It's a perspective thing that when we see that it belongs to God, it's holy is what that means. Holy means set apart, designated for a different purpose. And the tithe is holy. It belongs to God. So tithing is returning to God what already belongs to him. And what you go, well, why didn't he just take it in the beginning? Why is he doing this to me? Because he's testing our faith and our obedience. So he puts it in our hands and then he waits a, a little bit, and then he goes, okay, now give me 10% back. And we're like, wait a minute, no, I've already attached. I've spent this 10 different ways already. It's like, shouldn't have. It's already his. The second thing the Bible teaches about tithing is that we can minister to others through the local church. Tithing is giving God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 is a great passage about honoring God. Honoring God with our wealth. See, it says, honor God with our wealth, with the first fruits of all of our crops. In other words, honoring God means worshiping God. Tithing is a way to worship God. We come in here and we lift our hands and we sing, which is awesome. It's a way to worship God. Another way to worship God is by obeying God every day of our life. Another way to worship God is through our giving and through uh, we worship him as we return to him the tithe. And he says that your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim with new wine. In other words, he's giving us this promise that's, that there is a, a principle that's attached with a promise. The principle of tithing, the promise is that he will bless our lives. Let me give you three reasons why I tithe. And maybe you can connect with one of these. First of all, tithing provides for God's work through the church. This is a great church. You guys belong to an amazing church. LifeSpring is an amazing church that ministers to people, disciples people, builds people up, serves the community, sends out people to mission work, sends out quality leaders to Texas. You, I mean, seriously, this is an amazing church. And one of the ways that, and God has a calling and a vision for this church. And one of the ways that we fulfill the vision of the church is through tithing. As we tithe as a church, then the church is able to care for the poor, able to send out missionaries, able to send out quality leaders, able to disciple, able to, to meet and gather and worship. And so I, I'm just going to say it really blatantly. One of, the way, one of the things that tithing does is it supports your local church, the place where you're being fed. The other reason behind tithing hits us more personally, and it's that we keep God first in our lives. The tithe teaches us to do that. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, the scripture says the purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your life. I wish I could just get that in my head and just do that the rest of my life, like get it one time and go do it. But I need habits in my life, like devotions. 
Any of you who do daily devotions, so you read your Bible and you pray, you try to each day, and the, why are you doing that? You, you do that, why? Because you want to put God first in your day, right? You want to just say, Lord, I'm dedicating this day to you. I need your, the filling of your Holy Spirit. So use me today. Open my eyes to see opportunities you might bring. That's what a daily devotion does, is it centers you for the day. It puts God first in your day. Why do we come to church one out of seven days? We're putting him first as we take a day off and we worship him. We love him. Tithing is the same way. It's a, it's a habit that we build into our lives that we carry out on a weekly or a monthly or however it works for you basis in which we're, we're putting them first in the area of our finances. And it takes faith, doesn't it, to put him first? We think when we have this little amount, gosh, if I just had a little bit more, then, then I could do it. Then I'll tithe. If I could just have a little bit more. But can I, can I let you in on a secret? The more you have, the harder it gets to tithe. It's not easier. You think, what? It's like crazy hard right now, and I only have a tiny bit. Right. It gets harder. You know why? The checks get bigger. So whereas before you're writing a check for $5, now you're writing a check for $5,000. And you're like, I don't know if I can part with that. I don't know if the church knows how to do anything with $5,000. Let me assure you, the church knows how to invest it well in the kingdom. But... It gets harder because every juncture of our financial lives, it takes faith. It's never easy. It's not easy when you have a little. It's not easy when you have a lot. It's just as hard. And it takes just as much faith to step out there. Yet faith pleases God. Let, let me, in the remaining time I have, let me, let me just uh, hit on something that might be going through a couple of your minds, um, and that is around this, this idea that the tithe was just for the Old Testament. The tithe, some of you may think that. The tithe was like a law in the Old Testament that is no longer valid today. Jesus has fulfilled all of that, and now we just kind of give as the Spirit leads us. Right, and, and I know that that is one way to look at things, but my problem is, number one, is that I don't see that in Scripture, and then number two is, is that the people that, friends of mine, that I've interacted with around that, I don't see them becoming more and more generous and hilarious in their giving. What I see is that it becomes a spiritual rationalization for giving less and less, and, and that's just me. That's just observation of, of seeing it play out over because what I'd really like to believe is that we don't need to do anything we just are listen to God each day and we just become more and more generous with our lives but truthfully I believe we need a challenge in our life and so God gives us one from the scripture see tithing is something that we see before the law was ever instituted tithing was first instituted not from anyone asking for it it was instituted by Abram after Abram had this battle, he had this incredible victory where he won back his nephew Lot along with all the lost possessions. And Abram thanked God by tithing, giving 10% of everything he had gotten, all of his income, all of his, uh, the resource of the spoils. He gave it to God just out of a free will heart of worship. And he gave it to a guy by the name of Melchizedek. And that was someone who was standing in the place of God. Jacob, the father of the nation of Israel, then tithes in faith, not law, 
when returning to his homeland, when he was asked, asking God in prayer to bless him and protect him. Do you remember that? Jacob tithed. And then God instituted tithing into the Mosaic Law, into the Old Testament system, because as Israel was becoming a new nation, God wanted Israel to live by certain principles that they would, uh, they would be generous people and they would be a light to all nations. And so he so loved what Abram did out of a heart of worship. He so loved what Jacob did that he said, I want it to be part of the system of how this country works called Israel. But then we see it in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus refers to the tithe as well, um, that he wasn't abolishing the tithe. See, as you read church history, what you will find is that the early church fathers, those who came along 100, 200, 300 years after Christ, in the very early inception of the church, they talked about giving and talked about tithing, tithing and beyond. For example, Clement of Alexandria and St. Irenaeus, the bishop to Gaul, both were noted Bible teachers of their days, and they established the foundations of teaching to this emerging church. Uh, here's what one of them said, Irenaeus. He said, And for this reason they, the Jews, had indeed the tithes of their goods consecrated to him, but those who have received liberty set aside all their possessions for the Lord's purposes, bestowing joyfully and freely not the less valuable portions of their property, since they have the hope of better things as that poor widow acted who cast all her living into the treasury of God. See, Irenaeus, this early church father, is saying it's not just about tithing, it's about going beyond tithing. We get stuck on the tithe as this insurmountable amount. And the early church fathers and even the Israelites gave way beyond 10%. And they're like, what are you talking about 10%? That's like... Randy Alcorn, the writer of uh, The Treasure Principle, those of you who have maybe read that, it's a tiny little book, but it's powerful, it's a great book. He says that tithing are the training wheels to New Testament giving. It's just the beginning point, it's not the ending point, that we begin by tithing, and then as we build that into our lives and into our financial resource, and we put God first in that, we go way beyond that. As we give offerings to God beyond the tithe through missions and into various charities we care about and feeding poor people around the world and helping in our community and all of those wonderful things that we do beyond the tithe. We first give back to God what God asked for and then we go into the grace of giving and we give and we give and give. See, giving is a grace. It's not a law. It's not a law. Matter of fact, a lot of the Old Testament laws become New Testament principles. For example, think with me, the the law of the Sabbath. Do you remember that? It's one of the Ten Commandments, taking a day of rest per week. Who instituted that? God did, right? In Genesis, in the very beginning, he made the heavens and the earth in six days, whether those literal six days or not, not here to debate that today, But, but then he took a day off of rest, to celebrate and rejoice in all that was made. See, there's a promise, a blessing behind the Sabbath. And he did that before it was ever a Mosaic law. Then it became part of, he, he liked it. And he's like, this is good for people. You need a day off. 
You need a day off to rest and rejuvenate and refocus and to trust God with your time and your money and all your task list. And he said, there's a blessing if you'll do it. And so we see it as a New Testament principle with a promise to it. Think with me for a moment about honoring your mother and father. That was an Old Testament law, right? Matter of fact, if you didn't do it, there was a penalty. And now in the New Testament, it becomes a principle that God attaches a promise to. Look with me in Ephesians. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Notice what was once an Old Testament law becomes a New Testament principle that if you do it, there'll be an attached blessing to it, that it'll go well with you and you'll live a long life. Tithing is the same way. It was before the law. It became a law with Jesus in the New Testament. And now becomes a principle of grace that if we do it, there's a blessing that's attached to it. Isn't that good news? In other words, you don't have to tithe. You're not going to be punished if you don't tithe. Okay? It's not a law. There's not a punishment behind it. It's a New Testament principle. That if we obey it and flow into it and go, I recognize this comes from you, God. And we do it, there's a blessing. There's a promise that goes with it. The third and last thing is tithing builds our faith in God. It builds our faith. It takes faith to give. If we sat down and had coffee and you just told me, you know, I just don't have any faith right now. I might ask you, I might be as bold to ask you, are you tithing? Because tithing is one of those things that is attaches to our faith that when we're practicing that muscle of faith on a weekly or every other week or monthly basis, and we're practicing that muscle of faith, it builds our faith. Watch the only place in all of Scripture God ever gives us the chance to put him to the test is in Malachi 3.10. It's the only place that I know of where it says, challenge me, test me, watch me in this thing. Try me out. God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough for it. He's saying, give me a shot. Test me. I know this is hard for you, but if you will test me, if you will try me, if you will, if you will step out in faith in this area, I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to bless your life. Sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's relationally. Sometimes it's through our health. Sometimes it's through a car running long, longer than it ever deserved to run. It could be any number of ways that God blesses your life. I'm not up here saying, give God this and, you know, he's like a slot machine and out comes a $100 bill for you. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is God says he will bless you. He will bless you. Open your eyes to see his blessings. Take him at his challenge. Even if it's just for 90 days, just say, okay, I'll step out for the next three months and begin to tithe. And what you will see is God will bless you. He will bless, not because I say it, not because I want anything out of it. He says it. He says it in his word. And it will be in ways that go beyond uh, just money. See, tithing is not the silver bullet to cure all your money problems. It is not the way uh, you know, that if I tie, then I'll become financially prosperous and healthy in all the areas of my money. No, you won't. You need to get out of debt. 
You need to save some money. You need to control the spending and make sure that you're spending less than what you make. Basic things. Holistic thinking beyond just giving. But giving is part of it. Matter of fact, I believe it's the first part of it. It's not after I get all my life figured out and all my money figured out, then I'll begin to tithe. No, it's you begin to tithe as you figure out the rest of the equation. Because for a lot of us, it's more to it than just the giving part. We need some help. Dan, Pastor Dan mentioned financial peace. That's going on around our community. There are different places you can take that. And uh, there's pastors here who can sit down with you and help you with the holistic picture of your life and of your finances because we care about you. Well, let me just wrap things up. Why do we tithe? We tithe first because God is the owner, not me. He owns it. He owns it all. And he's asking that I dedicate the first part of my income, 10%, just as a principle of grace where there's an attached promise to it. That if I do that, it's a way I can keep God first every day of my life. It's one of the ways that I can get myself free from the fear of not having enough and the love of money, that my treasure and my heart are attached. So my treasure is Godward. Money is designed to serve you, not you serving money. And so money serves us, we serve God. And that's the relationship that money is to be in our lives. We put him first, we give him the first part of of the blessing he puts in our life and he blesses the rest. I just want to pray for us right now and just ask that God would seal this stuff and allow the Lord to speak to you right now, would you? Would you bow your head with me as we give this to God? Lord, we just want to thank you for your goodness in our lives. We're here on Thanksgiving weekend remembering, Lord, of all the blessings you've done in us and and the amazing grace of God, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Lord, thank you Jesus for coming. Thank you, God, our Father, for sending your first and best. You gave first. We're we're not the first givers. You are. You gave us life and breath, and you gave us your Son, and you give us your Spirit. And Lord, would you help us where we struggle? Where we struggle just to, we're just so attached to our money, and we so are fearful, and we think about it way too much. And Lord, would you please help each one of us? in the ways that we need to be set free. Maybe you're here and you're a tither, and I just want to say, way to go. Don't don't get weary and well-doing. Just continue to put God first in your life. And maybe for, for those who are tithing already, maybe God is just saying, you know, friend, it's become predictable, too predictable for you. It's become just something you budget and you send it off and you don't think much about it. Maybe it's time to begin to worship again through your tithe and to go above and beyond the, the predictable amount that you've budgeted to, to just let God move your heart, to begin to give extravagantly towards missions above and beyond your tithe or extravagantly towards uh, other kingdom endeavors. Lord, free us and help us move into the grace of giving like we've never done before. And then there are those that really just need to take that step of commitment just to test God to to take that faith step to tithe. Whether you make 
five bucks a week or whether you make, you know, 500,000. It doesn't matter. It's all hard. It takes a step of faith to just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you will bless me. Just in this quiet moment, and just between you and God, if that's a commitment he's asking you to make, even for the next 90 days, just to test him in it, would you say yes to God? Yes, Lord, I will do that. Yes, God, I will step out in faith. I will. And then maybe for a few that are here this morning, you realize that all this talk about putting God first, that he's just not become first in your life yet. That Jesus is not yet Lord in your life. That you care to just please in all aspects, including your money. He wants your heart. That's where it all starts. That's where it all ends when it's all said and done is our heart. And if this is that day that he's calling to you to just step across the line of faith and put your faith and trust in Christ, the one who died for you, to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. I want to place you first in my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to God? Just say, I'm placing him first right now my life. I'm placing him first. Amen. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Lord, that's what we want. I pray for my brother that lifted his hand and just ask that you fill him, Holy Spirit, with goodness and grace and just forgive him for all his sin and cover him with your blood, Jesus, and fill him with your Holy Spirit and pour into him fresh new life. Give him the joy of the salvation, Lord, and lead him forward. And Lord, for each one of us, we pray, would you help us, Lord, continue to surrender all to you, to follow you no matter what. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank Pastor Mike for such a wonderful message?